Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, Dave Littlejohn, and I've got with me in studio Katie Shook. Yep. And uh, so we have a special guest who's joining us, one of our team members who's visiting from out of area. You got to say hi, Kelsey. Hello. <laughs> All right. So, and, and so Kelsey's a little shy, but we did insist on dragging her in here because she's brilliant. So uh, well, and it gives everybody a chance to hear her voice because she has a wonderful voice and she answers the phone for our firm. So it, it allows our well, so listeners. much more than I it, she does a ton more than that. But yeah. I'm saying it allows our listeners to actually hear her. Yeah, we don't have a receptionist, right? No. In fact, the way our firm works, the phone rings in such a way that there's a whole group of people that's in charge and like a rank system for like the order in which you try to get the calls, right? So we kind of have first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and so forth. There's and you know, like like if the phone rang more than three times, you might actually get me. <laughs> Which, as funny as that sounds, you don't want to get David. Right. Because <laughs> David will wreck it. That's an unmitigated <laughs> disaster, just saying. But, He'll but, wreck it, Ralph, right on, right on the phone line. Yeah, but we have what we call air traffic control. Now, air traffic control, if you've, if, if you've ever flown, guess what? Yeah, the pilot's in charge of the airplane, but that airplane doesn't leave the ground until air traffic control gives instructions. Or come down to the ground. That's the other, is that airplane doesn't voluntarily come out of the sky without permission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so involuntarily, that's a different story. But <laughs> but air traffic control is extraordinarily important because what do they really do, right? They route all the traffic everywhere that it needs to go. So essentially, it's the ultimate logistical position. And I've heard, now, I know that we're talking about answering our phones, but don't airplanes land like every six minutes? Like, isn't it something really tight Faster and than that. Faster it's, than that. And I will tell you, I flew down to Southern California in a little plane, like a little four-seater, and we landed in Burbank with all the big guys, and they kept saying, get the heck off the runway. And I felt like the cartoon movie planes, like there was a big old Southwest plane coming in. Like they were going to run us over. It was like, you better get off the tarmac now or you will now be windshield feed. So it was crazy. Like, be, But to see okay. how fast they keep going. The, well, yeah, this is extra trivia extra. right? for our listeners. I know you guys love extra trivia and I love sharing. The extra <laughs> trivia is that... So the big planes, part of the issue is they just land so much faster. Uh, it, and so the stall speed of an aircraft is how slow can it fly before it stops, the wings stop generating lift, right? Okay. Uh, and there's some other elements. There's some pilot others going, well, there's also the angle of attack or the angle of incident. I'm like, you stop it now, you know-it-all. Uh, they're not wrong. <laughs> but when a wing, yeah, if the wing is not lifting, that plane is not flying. So a plane can only get so slow before it's not flying and now it's falling. Before it's falling tank. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is they change the wing. Why do you think when you're landing they they, like the they, they lower the flaps down? Yeah. The change lowers the speed that the plane is able to fly on approach. But a little plane lands at a little speed, relatively speaking. Big planes will land somewhere between, let's say, a 70 and 120 miles an hour um, it's usually over 100 miles an hour when they're touching down and rapidly slowing down. Little planes are landing at between 50 and 70 miles an hour. So 
the 50-mile-an-hour plane is going to get overtaken by the 100-mile-an-hour plane oh, yeah. really fast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> you get yourself off that runway. <laughs> Quickly. We were like, okay, we're turning now. And they're like, no, no, go. No, no, we're turning now. We're getting off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As fast there's, as we can. Uh, versus here, it, you know, little uh, airports where there's no tower. You know, the, it's just the planes talking to each other and kind of self-coordinating, right? But, you know, the, the larger the organization, or in this case, larger the airport and the higher the traffic, the more you require a logistics and management. And so Kelsey is really the front line of logistics for us uh, because you also do way more than, I mean, like somebody, somebody answers the phone, but we do all kinds of stuff. And I don't believe in uh, reception. It's almost I know we just we just require more than that. We don't have anybody that's like. I mean, hey, we, vanilla. we may get to a point one day where all we do is have somebody answer the phones, but that uh, we're not there. I mean, everybody in the team pulls together and we all share workloads and we all cross train so that we all know what's going on and people can take vacations then and holidays and sick days and family days and and, and the organization doesn't get disrupted. Yep, because we're tiny. Com- in well, comparison. I mean, we're we're a small business. We're under ten we're employees. Small. We're a small business. We're growing, and thank you to all of you listeners. Some of you listeners out there, you are clients, to which and we you've say- you helped us grow. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And yeah. we thank you for sharing us with your friends and everything. So anyhow, uh, I don't know how we, I deviated from that. Air traffic right control. Well, other than because Kelsey's joined us today, right? So Kelsey is getting a first-hand but look at- Yes, they cannot hear you nod. Yeah, you have I've, to actually- I've been nodding the whole time. Yeah, use, <laughs> use your words. As we tell our children, use your words. You well, have to the, the hilarious thing is, Kelsey's one of the extroverts of the office. This is the radio is kind of intimidating the first time. I promise by the end of the show, you'll forget that you're on the radio. We're just having a conversation. Uh, but you guys that have listened for a while, you know, you try it sometime, right? Walk on in and just see how you uh, how you feel when you think like, but everybody's listening. And I go, that is the point. That's I, true. In my head, there's like five people, and I know that's not true. But I think that's what helps calm my nerves is I just think, oh, there's like five people listening to us, so it's not a big deal. Well, what, I know that is really not true. <laughs> uh, well, what I'm reminded of is that we have the we have the good ones that listen. We do. Right? So I know that like the, our listeners, they're the good ones, right? And if you're out there, you're listening, you know who you are, right? <laughs> so we got the good ones listening. And if you're not one of those people, I don't know, change the channel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't need you. We don't need that kind of baggage. We're an optimistic group, and we're going to... We're looking to find the nuggets, right? And the, right. we're mining for gold today. So there are a couple of things that we're going to talk about. Uh, one of them, hey, you know, we, we had a pretty, we had a, a handful of milestones today. Uh, first one, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yeah. Topped 30,000. First time ever. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Uh, incidentally, all time high crossing you know so we're, we're setting records here so would this be officially considered a santa claus rally now or how at what point is it considered a santa claus rally? okay so fun question first you got to explain it's it's kind of self-explanatory but let our listeners know what are you talking about what's santa claus rally so isn't that usually because there's more money kind of going into the market because people are buying things because of christmas and so markets tend to go up a little bit during christmas time okay so Am so, I not? I'm no, you're, not. You're probably not having fun with this one. Right? I'm not. <laughs> Jeez, well, no, I'm, so I'm, first <laughs> rally is that, right? A rally is when the markets are on a run higher. Right. Okay? Just like a sports team. You know, you want rally is like, okay, they're doing really well. They're making a comeback. Let's keep them. Yeah. Keep them um, going. Yay. In this case, it's not a comeback. It's like, hey, the rally is like, let's keep the hits coming. Let's more scores, more scores. So the, the markets at this point 
um, are continuing higher. Now, we talked about, even prior to the election, that uh, we didn't think that the election necessarily was going to dictate the outcome of the market. We just thought the market wanted to be done with the election so it could figure out where to adjust and, and for businesses to figure out how are we going to adjust to potential changes in tax policy and market policy and so forth. Right. So, all right, the election, the vote finished. Uh, it, it, we've <laughs> Is the election this... over? Have we officially called it over yet? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> we are, I guess, technically part of the media right now when we do this. Even though that's not what we do, we have a show on media. So I, I'm not going to be one of these that's just going to call it. Formally, it hasn't been called. But I will say, like I said before, the evidence indicates that given what we know and how the votes are going to be counted and how it's likely to shake out, Biden's going to be the president. Right. Okay. And at what point is he, because I mean, I know the election's in November, but isn't it like Jan 1 or in January when it's official? Yeah, January is when the transition occurs. Yeah, that's when the, the baton is formally passed. Uh, the period in between right now is the lame duck period. So Donald Trump would be the lame duck because Congress is not in session and there's no policy being written for him to deal with. So it's like, eh, what are you going to do? What a weird thing, though. Like, hey, so pack up after Christmas and get out. Like, I wouldn't want to be moving the week after Christmas. Oh, it's a hot mess. And, you know, there are still lawsuits. There are those that are still kind of holding out hope that uh, their team will somehow, you know, pull this out because the election will be ruled invalid or illegal. Uh, I'm not even going to comment on the ifs or whens. Uh, what My comment will be around this. I think it's a damn sad state in this world when whatever sources of media have included enough sources of propaganda alongside them that it's clouded and and impeded our ability to trust our news sources. Trust is I think that's a shame because how you know people don't trust it's hard to vet truth now. Well, and trusting trusting a little bit of the government too. I mean, there's some people that, you know, will say like I felt like before it was like, well, even if I didn't vote for the guy, he's my president and I respect him and you know, I respect the office and the chair. And I and I feel like that's kind of gone away a little bit, too, depending on what party you voted for. I feel like that's really been slipping since the, like for a the while. Bush administration. Right, so for a the, while. Uh, like, this isn't the George new w, for this one. Not his dad, but post-Clinton. So you had, I think, since the Bush administration where you saw the proliferation of things like moveon.org and you saw uh, certain media sources that were pretty uh, antagonistic. Now, I'm not going to say, like, there's been conservative radio forever, right? right. That's, that's kind of thrown rocks. But we started to see more mainstream uh, sources that started to take uh, more editorial positions, or at least it appeared to be that way. But it became pretty loud and angry. And as social media and the Internet has been proliferating and getting faster, we saw the, the vitriol for politicians get a lot worse. It's interesting to me that today, George Bush is largely viewed as a pretty nice guy by both teams. Like, you know, the the folks that are, are on the left, they're like, well, you know, he was like hanging out painting with Barack Obama afterwards. You're like, well, that's pretty cordial. Maybe he's not so bad, right? right. And and the folks that were but George Bush fans already the... are like, well, he still seems all right to me. I thought he had a bum rap to begin with. Right. So during the moment. During the middle of the mud fight, yeah, like everybody angry, gets, you know, but at a the bunch end... of people hate him. At the end, it's kind of like, maybe he's not so bad, especially compared to. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. right. And therein lies the problem is that we just, people are really willing to throw rocks these days. I mean, they're really willing. Like friends of yours, you guys are thinking out there right now, if you're listening, you know some folks that 
are surprisingly, it's like, you know, face to face, they're pretty nice, but they get behind a computer screen and they throw rocks. Well, it's in, in the trend of I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I've I've unfriended that person because I just can't listen to it any longer or I've unfriended that person because of what they've posted. And, yeah. and I've had friends that have been censored also. Like, you can't yeah. even see their post any longer. I, I think that's – we've got a bunch of endemic issues with the way we are now communicating, with the way uh, opinions are proliferated. But also, again, it's that discernment of what is real and what is not. Right. And we, I, I'll, I'll say it, right? Look, I have trust issues. Stuff on social media, a lot of trust issues. Uh, I know how easy it is to make crap up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like – uh, and, and if you know my 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 daughters in the therapy they will have to go through because their sarcastic dad made stuff oh. up, <laughs> they'd like I get it, it's not that hard to just say it like you mean it and people will buy it. Well, that doesn't make it true, right? It doesn't make it true. So uh, anyway, this one we're gonna chalk this segment up to I get it. The world is kind of hard to discern. So what we're gonna spend the next little while talking about is. Whether you agree with it or not or like it or not, it appears that there are some changes coming. And I want you to know what that can mean for you as an investor. But we got to take this break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Kelsey Davis. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Katie Shuck. And... Kelsey Davis. All right, so Kelsey is a... Thank you for joining us. She's out of area, but we roped her in today and dragged her into studio. And so uh, we're going to have a good time. Look, if you're just joining us, don't forget that we do have a podcast of the show. You can check it out. We'll publish it tomorrow once it's done. So if you want to catch up on any of the shenanigans, uh, go to littlejohnfs.com. And you'll be able to find it under the Educate tab. And we got a bunch of past programs there as well. So if you find yourself in the car looking for a good download, uh, well, there are lots of things that might be good. But you could also listen to this. Ha, 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 ha. Right? That was almost a, a maniacal laugh. That was it's like a, starting to be one. That wasn't quite a, a that was what the, is it? It was the slightly underwhelming. Did he just dog on his own show? Like maybe a little. <laughs> But it's your show, so we you can, can do whatever you want. We can get away with it, right? And again, I think our listeners get it, right? Uh, I, one thing that bugs me about financial programs, kind of bugs me about marketing in general. First, uh, folks will talk over somebody. I mean, like, they, they, they'll just drop a bunch of industry jargon and nonsense because they're more interested in sounding smart than helping the listener to stay with them. That bugs me. Well, and by the way, if you start doing that, all you see is like people's eyes roll in the back of their head. Like, I think you all you see going, is your ratings plummeting. <laughs> right. right. So I, we, we don't want to do that. We're not no. here to alienate our listener. We're here uh, to educate. Yeah. And the reality is our listeners are smart. Yeah. Okay, but I, I don't speak German. I know a few German words, but I don't speak German as a language. So if that's the case... I need some translation. Well, maybe you don't speak finance. It doesn't mean that you can't understand it. It needs some translation. That is actually a good point, by the way. So there's there's a big internal conflict that happens when people know that they're educated, that they have a higher degree, that they feel that they are smart people, right? They would deem themselves as a smart person. And yet some of our some of what we do in our industry with the financial planning and some stuff is confusing to them, right? Like you said, they don't speak financial. 
And it's hard sometimes when you're like, but I'm a smart person. I should know this. Well, if you've never been taught, how are you going to know? Or there's a dirty, dirty secret about finance. Oh, goodness. Okay? What's the like, dirty like secret? Like a dirty secret about the economy and about investing. And people don't like to fess up to this. You're just making fun of it now. No, actually, this is real. It's just that most people, it's so obvious that, uh, but you'd be surprised that some people it, they they don't figure this out. Even am though I going to facepalm? Am I just going to be like really? I'm I gonna, don't. I'm I actually fully, don't I'm, think you will. I'm getting ready to roll my eyes. Okay, I go don't ahead. think you will. The dirty secret is that it's not perfectible. It's not perfectable. Right? So, it, it, like engineers will sit down and they will try to study the market, thinking they can somehow solve it. As if I can, if oh, I can like find an enough variables, oh. I can solve the equation and I can crack the code. And I would say to you not possible because humans are part of the equation. And then people have said things, well, what if it was artificial intelligence? You know, more and more trades are computer generated. And I would say to you, doesn't last because the markets abhor any kind of exploit, right? right? If, there's a, if there's a gap in the market, then you, we talked about this last week, by the way, right? The thing that says, if it sounds too good to be true, it why is somebody be. selling it to you? Because they're basically selling the exploit, and if they sell the exploit, the exploit's going to get known, and then it's going to get washed out of the system. Well, and I feel like some of those exploits are kind of like little cancer cells. Like the body works on pushing it out so that it's well, that's a, literally it, so it can what heal talking. itself. It doesn't last. Uh -uh. If there's if there's an arbitrage in the market, and an arbitrage, remember that's I can do something at a lower price. Like I could borrow money at one percent and reinvest it in another bank at five percent. Then I basically is a risk free transaction, right? I can. Borrow money for cheaper and reinvesting and paid more. That's called arbitrage. Wasn't there like a weird silver dollar coin thing? Um, oh my gosh! Now wow. I'm going to have to look it up on okay. the next break. Yeah. Do, okay. Yeah. Do, do, At the break, you check that out because you're just like no, was, right over my oh, head. No, no, no. It was it was a weird credit card thing where they were buying um, silver dollar coins or something that were worth more. Oh my gosh! I'll have to find it. I'll find it and I'll I'll, I'll get back so, to you guys after the break. These exploits, though, even if that it was existed, a weird it goes away, right? When somebody figures out that it doesn't work, they shut it down, or the market closes the gap because the pricing shifts until it's no longer an exploit. Right. So. That's the thing is if you believe that you can get an exploit to the market, like if you really found one, don't share. Go <laughs> because profit then if everybody off of it, knows it, they're going to close it. Yeah. yeah, because it'll get washed out of the system once they figure out it's a gap. I know what it was. It was a credit card's points thing, right? So people figured out like they had to meet a minimum threshold. So if they you know, spent $4,000 in the first three months, then they got all the points. Well, what they did is they went and bought $4,000 worth of like silver coins, silver like $1 coins. Right. And then they just took the coins and turned around and paid their payment. And so it was like a weird loophole. And then all of a sudden they went, oh, I see what you did. And now you can't do that. OK, I rem do you actually, remember that story. I remember this. And I know where it came from. I know where it came I remember from, too. The story it came because, from 10X Travel. Right. Because uh, oh, it was probably a year and a half, two yeah. years ago, we had on the show uh, this expert in sort of gaming mileage points on credit cards to get free travel. Right. So we brought him on the show and said, well, what do you do? And they explained it to us. And that was one of those things of called manufactured purchases, right. right? It's like buying Visa gift cards with your Visa card and then using the Visa gift cards to, to pay, pay your, your Visa. Card. So they, they figured out like, well, you can't do that. So then they, they started shutting those loopholes because, again, the exploit worked until they figured it out and then they'd get rid of the exploit. So markets hate exploits. Right. If you think you can get an exploit, just remember it's not likely to last. Right. So that's the one of those dirty secrets is that we can't predict the future. And the market isn't solvable. So what you do is you act on the best information that you can gather. And 
they're still investments. People tell me this is a gamble, and I go, if it's a gamble, it's a really high probability gamble. To me, gambles like like, you know why Vegas is willing to have a casino? Because they win most of the time. Because their odds are better than the gambler. Right. You know why people keep investing? Because their odds are better. Yeah, the odds are in their favor, <laughs> right? So you're not going to try to do something where the odds aren't. You, you want to be the house, not the gambler. And but that's what the idea behind investing is. Isn't that also why we say past performance is not, you know, produce like future. It's no guarantee of future. Right. No, we say that for liability management. But, Let's be honest. Right? But that's, exactly that's because past performance does not guarantee what it's going to do in the future. Like we're just talking about the loopholes, right? Like there may have been some great thing in the past and it's not necessarily always there in the future. Yeah, well, and it's I, I would suggest the reason that that exists is because lawyers. Yeah, right? true. Now, Derek's not on the show to defend himself. <laughs> Hashtag truth. <laughs> but if you think about, and I have a funny one on this, for, for all of our listeners out there wondering why there's weird rules. Uh, essentially, the regulators in the financial industry have taken the position that most of the people in the industry are predators, and the people that are buying from the industry are prey. Yeah, it's almost like the, the sheep and the wolves, right? Yeah, but and it's so, the wolf and sheep's clothing. So the regulator is there making the assumption that you, if you're not a professional listening to the show, if you're a consumer, that they are there to protect you from unscrupulous activities of the financial industry. So there's a bunch of exotic regulations, some of them quite odd. Like, for example, we cannot use testimonials. We could have bunches and bunches of really happy clients. I think we probably do. And they are we're not allowed to use any of their testimonials to as advertising. To yeah, to share as advertising. We can't like it's just against the rules, period. Right? And and you know every we've talked to other marketing firms and said, "Well, hey, you know, we want to do this." And they're like, "Well, let's do a bunch of testimonials." It's like, can't "So do okay, it. so you are not the firm for us because you don't understand the rules." That was the hardest thing I had to learn when I first started working, and especially working in this industry coming from other industries. I was like, "What do you mean we can't use that? Like, why why can't we? Everybody else does." And it's like, "Well, yeah, everybody else does, but not in the financial industry." Yep. And it's it's their consumer protection rules. That's really what it comes down to is we don't want to mislead. And so you've probably heard on this program, too, if you've listened for any length of time, we disclose, disclose, disclose. Like we don't offer personal advice. Right. Okay, you got to come to the office for that. And you know what? Some of you have, and that's cool. Or zoom into okay. the office for that. Yes, you could zoom in because we. <laughs> that's how it, it that works. That made it sound really days. fast. Zoom in. But uh, <laughs> the the idea, though, is personal advice has you know happens one-on-one. -on -one. Radio is one to many, right? Yeah, we're talking, but you're. I realize you're my favorite listener, but there's more than one listener, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you, right no, now, you're my you. favorite. You're my favorite. <laughs> and if there's both of you listening and you're looking at each other, it's like, yep, uh, you guys can figure it out. <laughs> so. Well, isn't there a weird caveat too that like we are not supposed to use pictures of like coins or money or something you're in our supposed, advertising? Yeah, you're not supposed to use pictures of money. You can't make um, exaggerated claims. You can't say that something will happen if you can't World's guarantee it. World's best like, advisor. Like, you know, do things like, you know, I guess I can make guarantees where if the guarantee doesn't happen, there's no enforcement. Like I guarantee the sun will rise tomorrow because you know what? If it doesn't, we're all in deep doo-doo so i can make that guarantee but i i can't guarantee profits i you know maybe i could guarantee losses because we could like submarine that but i don't know why anybody would sign up for a guaranteed loss that sounds like a terrible idea right bad yeah. bad idea i could guarantee bad, bad ideas don't, but we don't, don't want to do that no no let's not do that on this show exactly so okay uh so <laughs> we we've what did we learn this segment we learned that you don't 
want to try to perfect the market. I guess that was the long, long-winded way to get there. Is, uh, the equation is unsolvable, so instead it's about getting it mostly right most of the time. And I'm going to talk about the mostly right most of the time. What does it mean? Uh, so we're going to take our break, and when we come back, I want to talk about Janet Yellen. You might remember that name. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about why you care. But we got to take this break first. So stick around and we'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Kelsey Davis. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Uh, we are talking shop today, and I've got. All kind. The studio is still very socially distanced. Okay, I just want everybody to be aware of that we're socially distanced, but uh, there are not six people here, so we're totally within <laughs> our our rights, and we're a cohort. So there's there's times when I'm glad that we are on the radio and not on TV because my face just you know naturally does things that I'm like, oh, I didn't filter that. <laughs> yeah, she's given a look like. Why did Why you? Does that matter? So anyway, David, Kelsey, and Katie are in studio. He just pointed we, to us opposite. Did you we, see that? He called me Kelsey. He's like Kelsey. They both Katie. work. Ugh. Well, what I'm thinking to myself is, our poor listeners, if they realize, like, we have Kelsey and Katie. Seriously, like when you call in, it's like, so we've got Kelsey and Katie, and then there's two Heather's in my life too. I'm like, really? Yeah. How did I pull this? Oh off? yeah. By the way, they were in the same room at the same time. Today. Right, right. That was that really was fun confusing. when I was like, Heather. Mock, you go that way. Heather Littlejohn, I have a question for you. Can we? Yes. <laughs> like, so, I, we need we need nick we need fun nicknames or we need to start using middle names or something. I, I would say though that the well, if we use middle names, then Justin and I are the same. No. What's Justin's middle name? Edward. No, his is Edward. Lee. No. Ed. Oh, that's right. It's Edward. It's my uncle. That's right. No, see, that's what we did. Sorry, Justin. One You're point right. for Katie. <laughs> All right, that's a that's I was a like, Katie you are win. Not the same. We'll check that one. Okay, look, let's get down to some business here, often. gang. If you have been listening to the show, you're just dying to know. Uh, but I've got to I've got to set the table a little bit here, Kelsey. I've got a trick question for you. Okay. Super hard. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite color? Oh, I wasn't expecting that one. Pink. Okay. See that that <laughs> now that she's laughing. Uh, do you know who Janet Yellen is? No, I don't. Okay. Do you care? Yes, I do. Why? I don't know. Yeah, because you're like because you told me because, at the break I care. Yeah, because I should care. Because you told me I should care. Yeah. Well, the answer is you do. And so, uh, some of you out there listening, you know the name Janet Yellen. Okay. Uh, and so I'm going to give you a brief history. Why is this significant, though? Well, the Biden administration is currently uh, looking for a Treasury Secretary, and Janet Yellen is the name that has come up. So what did she used to do? Well, let's let's explore, right? Janet Yellen was the previous to present what? Federal Reserve Chair. The current Federal Reserve Chair is Jerome Powell. Right. Prior to Jerome Powell was Janet, Janet Yellen. Yellen. Okay. Janet Yellen came after Ben Bernanke. Okay? Got it. And the reason that Ben Bernanke matters is he was responsible for, after the 2008 market collapse, he didn't cause the collapse, by the way, but he engineered quantitative easing. Ah. Okay. They There's had, sometimes when QE, I'm like- QE, 
all right? Yeah. And and this goes, you've got to go back in history ways to know about this. That's why, Kelsey, some of this stuff, you're, you're so we will not reveal ages on this program, but I will tell you that uh, Kelsey is well, millennial. We can go with that. Yeah, yeah? millennial. Okay. That's what I identify. She's one of the good ones, by as. the way. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey is a good one. So back in 2008, we had a massive market collapse, right? The stock market collapsed about 50%. I do and, remember that. Yep. And the financial institutions around us cratered, right? But Several banks disappeared. I'm trying to put it in perspective. Were you in junior high at that point? Well, now you're going to reveal Stop my it. Age. Yeah, we're not going to reveal that. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is this is important. Like, yeah. The reason I'm asking yes. that. Yes, like, I was in junior okay, high. Okay, but the reason I'm saying that is because there's a certain point in your age where you're kind of aware of what's going on in government. Like you hear things either from your parents or your teachers, but it doesn't really affect you yet because mm-hmm. you're not necessarily working. You're not awake. You know what I mean? Like you're not getting your paycheck caught up. So yeah. Well, and there's a lot of so people times, that are blissfully unaware of right. politics in their life at all ages. Well, right? very true. But that I don't get that thing. luxury. And I wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> that I was trying to pick, but I was thinking, okay, like if we go back in, in time, because just again, your, your awareness of, government in general outside of like what you're learning in textbooks is kind of my point that was where i was going with it okay so janet yellen so janet used to be in charge yep so pass the buck <laughs> well <laughs> not literally janet, but haha. <laughs> janet retired and jerome powell took over and now she is being tapped but but just the reason is when she came after Ben Bernanke, Ben Bernanke was famous for saying he would literally throw money from the sky from helicopters if he had to in order to provide enough liquidity in the marketplace to keep things stable. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We were going through a deflationary cycle, right? Houses were declining in price. People were losing their jobs. And it was a very economic, challenging time. So uh, economically challenging. And so... Ben Bernanke said, well, we need to stabilize the system so we got to lower interest rates and flood the market with money. He was just trying to figure out how to stop the bleeding and get the heart beating again. In, in essence, remember, if, if you're trying to wonder why you would do that, really simply, if things are dropping in price, you need more dollars in people's hands so they can spend too much on it. Right. That's how you generate inflation is more dollars chasing the same amount of goods is inflationary. So make more dollars. And that's what the Federal Reserve was doing was making more dollars and lowering interest rates means banks can loan more dollars out. And that's ultimately where you saw that we've seen this long tail from 2008 where interest rates have dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. Yeah, they're like 2% now or something, like 2 and something. I mean, Yeah, I'm looking at the the 10-year Treasury yield right now. Let's see if I can actually pull this up live. Uh, It looks like... I mean, it's crazy low right now. Oh, I'm, it was up. It's in below one percent. I don't know if we broke above that or not. So, do you still? Ever be, think, it looks like it's still just below one percent for ten-year notes. Do you think we're ever going to have like a negative? Because aren't there some countries in Europe that have a negative? Their interest rate, like it's it's. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, like where? Like yes, I mean Europe has had negative interest rates in in certain environments. I think it's highly unlikely that we in will the have United that. States. Because as the world's reserve currency, we can just they, – they're using other methodologies for it. Uh, that's what quantitative easing was all about. Okay, Quantitative easing is about driving rates towards zero. But essentially, it's the Federal Reserve buying up all of the treasuries in the, the, that are being printed, that produced. Got right? it. So 
they buy, they'll bid anything for it. They'll pay any price to get it, more or less, which guarantees a market. If you guarantee a price that will always go higher, yields drop. Yields are how we calculate interest rates, essentially. So they, they're providing all the demand for the bond marketplace. So Bernanke was all about quantitative easing, and, and Janet, Janet Yellen, Yellen came on his torch. heels. Okay. And now if Janet Yellen is it. heading into office with the Biden administration, what does that mean? And the suggestion is Janet Yellen is being brought to the table to help aid in the creation of more stimulus. Oh, interesting. Right. And what is more stimulus? More money from heaven. <laughs> but isn't it a like a loan that we're doing? Like, I mean, it's not. It's not like just magic money that shows up. I mean, there's is ramifications for it, isn't there? I haven't decided yet, and neither has the government. Ah. How many times have the PPP rules changed? Oh my gosh, seriously. Okay, and you know why? You know why we get that response? Because Katie's done the paperwork like 11 times. <laughs> True. Hash yeah, that's my new thing. Hashtag truth. Well, and, and you know, we've had to become sort of part-time experts in it because we get the questions from our clients and all over the place. Well, right? and I know bankers that are just like, hold tight a little bit longer because they're going to change the rules again before the and end of the year. that's the issue. And I know CPAs that are still wondering about how, how are they going to be treated tax -wise? next year. Yeah. Yep. So the, you know, the hits keep coming. Uh, so with Janet Yellen, if we're going to see more stimulus, again, it's pennies from heaven. Right? And if that occurs, if we get more pennies from heaven, what does that in theory mean? And it know. means that we should see An more increase? dollars in circulation that should be inflationary in nature. The Fed as an organization, the Federal Reserve Banking System or the FO and the uh, Federal Open Market Committee or FOMC has the stated objective now. They said we're trying to get to a target average inflation rate of 2%. They're willing to let it go higher than that for a period of time to measure. So, so Janet's not there anymore, but she's going to be working with the Biden administration. It's going to be working with the Federal Reserve. So it's a kumbaya group, right? Hey, let's get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's where you went with it? So if inflation goes up, does that mean the market should go up too? Well, in theory, yes, but it can disconnect. And this is where uh, money managers are still trying to figure out what's going to happen. Think about it this way for a minute. I'm going to use a funny illustration, but uh, I'm going to use Al an Albert Einstein illustration for a minute. Okay. So when Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity, what he said is he tried to imagine himself flying through t space at the speed of light as if he was riding on that beam of light and looking at what occurred around him. And that is where the, the theory of relativity sort of started was the idea that if you were there was a clock and you took off at the speed of light and looked behind your over your shoulder at the clock, the time would never change. Because you're moving at the same speed as the light that came off of the face of the clock. So your position relative to that light is the same. So it's as if time freezes. Oh, interesting. Okay? Now Take that concept and pretend that you're a dollar bill riding through the financial system. And where does it go? And where do people want to put their money to take advantage of circumstance? So as an example, if there's going to be inflation, is the dollar getting stronger or weaker? Isn't it getting weaker? Getting weaker, right? It has less purchasing power. If the dollar is getting weaker, how does that affect our currency compared to foreign countries? Oh, good question. And the answer is, how is their currency doing? 
Is it getting stronger or weaker? Oh, that was a good question. So what happens if everybody gets weaker altogether? Does well, that then it's sort of at parity. That's kind of how we got away with so much global stimulus in a pandemic. If it hits everybody and everybody waters down the punch at the same rate, it just kind of... It's all still the same punch then because it's... Every- yeah, it's it's like everybody had the same net result close enough. Uh, it, it's It doesn't really fix the problem, but at least we've all agreed it's to... It's everybody's to, problem. To, Kick the same can down the road <laughs> so we all have the same problem, right? Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, but in theory, if our currency is getting weaker and another currency is not, then it will weaken against that currency, which now makes it cheaper for the other country to buy our product, but more expensive for us to buy it from them. Changes trade balance. Changes where money flows through the financial system. Well, and it trades. How, it changes how things come in and out of our country, too. Correct. And so there's this cause and effect. And so that's a lot of what we do in our investment committee. And that's a lot of what I personally do in my spare time of just thinking about the the impact of things. So I look at the strategy and say, well, that's fascinating. If Janet Yellen gets in there, it's a con- it's an indication that more stimulus is coming. And then it's, well, what will a stimulus package look like? And what will that look like amongst the backdrop of higher corporate taxes? Because that's something the Biden administration has stated they want to see. And also because even with a Senate not flipping, right, if the Senate stays in Republican hands and everything else goes Democrat, then you get sort of policy gridlock. But the original tax cuts weren't permanent. So they will sunset in a few years and the taxes will go back to pre, oh. pre-rates anyway. So the taxes will go higher mechanically whether we have legislation or not because the policy will sunset. And Meaning it'll expire. It'll expire. Okay. And then the rates drift higher again. And once, you know, assuming that occurs, how does that affect the system? So this is what the amateur economist that I you know, get to play on TV does with my spare time is think about these silly things. Got it. Okay. That makes so sense, though, because, I mean, it's not looking just at what what's happening day to day, but what's happening in the next couple of years and the next administration and even in the next 20 years. Well, right, because investing is a long-term game, right? Right. You know, we're not talking about, hey, you know. Buy this I, tomorrow I, and yeah, sell it I bought, tomorrow. I bought this thing and two hours later I'm going to sell it. People do that. That's called day trading. trading. Yeah, or, you know, and there's lots of names for it. Scalping, micro-trading, whatever you want to call it. But that's <laughs> Scalping uh, doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, that, that's a real, that's an actual trading term. It's, this is not derogatory in the No, least. I know. It just doesn't it's, sound good. <laughs> right. I suppose that is true. So look, uh, what is this going to mean for our investors? And if you're looking at, okay, great. So 2021, what should what should we be putting on our radar? Or at least what do you think Little John Financial's got on their radar? We will cover that, but we have to take our last obscene profit break. So we will do that. Uh, and then I don't know who, where the profit goes, but somewhere there's profit, <laughs> right? Uh, goes to keep us on the air, David. Okay, we got to rock. So this is Dave Little John and Katie Shook and Kelsey Davis. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is Dave Littlejohn in studio. Joining me is Katie Shook and Kelsey Davis. And Kelsey, first of all, thanks. So you're getting better at this, too. She's already picking up on the cues. And smiling more. Right. (laughs) I think we're just uh, we're going to have to get her in studio more. I like the rotation here. Right. I I like that uh, that we bring different team members on when they're in town. 
I suppose we could do this remote too. We can. It's it, it is nice. I mean, we go back and forth because there's times when I go up to Salem and there's times when Shannon's coming from Bend and so mm-hmm. on. So it's but it is nice because we feel more cohesive if we get to sit with one another once in a while. I will say that as as great as technology is to facilitate a lot of things and we do a bunch with technology. Nothing the beats hum, a face the to human face. human interaction is just a lot it's hard for technology to simulate it well. My suspicion is we're going to get darn good at it. And it's it's one of my investment theses, right? Uh, at the break, I promised – I didn't – I guess I implied. We'll call it a promise. That I, I want to talk about some themes that I think investors should pay attention to. Right. Uh, these are not advice themes that I expect you to go out and chase down. But I think they're interesting ones to consider as to what does the future look like? Yeah, you said what does this mean for our investors and what's right. on our radar? So let's talk about uh, – terms here so investment terms i'm going to do sort of one year five year ten year okay or, or you know more than five year uh in the next year uh we look for uh, a transition back to democratic leadership in the white house right i think that you will see philosophically higher corporate taxes come back into the picture uh i will continue to beat this drum and i'll say it again and again and i don't care what your politics are Corporations don't pay taxes. Oh yeah, you can say that they do, right? And, and no, but and they pass it on to the consumer. That's it. Like it is, a, it is a cost of doing business, and it will be reflected in the number of jobs that are maintained and the what the end the result to the consumer is. Right. That so the, the the company treats it as an expense. It will get washed through the balance sheet, and it will ultimately be borne by the consumer. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's a false concept that you can somehow increase corporate taxes and it gives the consumer a pass. We're just changing the way the tax is paid. Right. Right. So it will just be passed on to the consumer in the form of higher prices. The government will get it first from the company and then they won't get it out of your pocket, but your pocket will have less in it because everything will cost more. It's already, I feel like right. some of the prices have already started yeah. to climb a little bit. Oh, oh, they are. You know, and, and we, we do have inflation in different categories depending on capital. Because well, like, we still know. have supply chain issues. Yeah. So um, I am very fascinated by the housing market. I want to see what the impact of COVID and additional shutdowns has. I think that we're yet to really see the pain of foreclosures because the government has kind of made it such that banks can't foreclose. Well, it's ripples, right? Right. It's all the little ripples and tears that are going to happen through the fabric over the next five or ten years. The government cannot artificially demand a market perform the way it wants to. You can't say you can't evict tenants that don't pay and you can't foreclose on mortgage payers that don't pay right the financial system for a little while can be asked to just shoulder the burden and you can try to sweep it under the carpet but that type of economic policy making does policy doesn't make reality like reality <laughs> nope. doesn't really care about policy right it's like well making a minimum wage doesn't change the economic reality that the pricing structure will then adapt to the different wages and the wage is going to be valued at the value of the job not the worker right i know that drives people nuts right but labor the 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 more easily labor can be outsourced or that it can be trained for something else to do so basically if labor is fungible then the price is too well it has to be a skill it's broken right because it's like oh if we're going to increase minimum wage and make everything twice as expensive then all of a sudden the widget or the burger or whatever it is we always use fast food the burger becomes twice as expensive. And everybody went, no, 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 wait. I want the cheap burger, but I want to get paid twice as much to make it. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't work that way because your employer needs extra money to now pay you the higher wage. Right. 
And there's probably somebody out there that says, well, super mega corporation that makes, you know, uber money. Ugh. They can afford it. And to Sorry, which, was that a loud noise? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we don't have time to unpack that one. But I will just Not suggest today. that you can't legislate to the one company and then apply it to the other 10,000 companies and think that the results are going to work out the way you're shooting for. Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, laws are supposed to be applied equally across everybody, not selectively target people. Right. So one year, five year, 10 year. Yeah. So quickly. Five years out. Uh, so, you know, short term, I, I think that we see some inflationary pressures. I, I'll be watching the housing market and I'll be watching the strength of the dollar and what that means for markets outside of the United States. Okay. okay. Over the next five years, I think that there are certain technologies that I really want to look at, and especially 10 years out. But over the next five years, I think the autonomous driving and a lot of the gig economy. Like yeah. I find autonomous driving fascinating because it's a way for high-density areas to manage Flow. moving people. Yeah. Because computers can route people and do smart routing. Right. And then I think the 10-year time horizon, and the reason 10 years is because I think it will just take that long for us to really perfect it. But I think Zoom goes into a virtual environment. Like you can put on a VR headset and you will feel like you are with somebody in, the in room. a different space. And you may not be able to touch them, but you will, yeah, I know the, the movies and all the- I know, I'm just really thinking of like Demolition Man where he's sitting in the conference room with all the people at the table. There's so many movies. Yeah, but this one will be more like table. a put on your goggles or your helmet or whatever, and you will see such a highly accurate representation of somebody that you will be able to pick up on body language cues and it will feel a lot more natural than a screen view. True. So I think those are gonna be really interesting trends and again, not advice, but so is it investable? Maybe, right? And you'll have to look at that for yourself, but they're things that we're watching because I find them super interesting. So anyway, that is the music, which means- We're out of time. We're out of time. So uh, Katie, how do our listeners reach us if they have more questions? They can check out the website, littlejohnfs.com or give us a call, 541-375-0898. All right, gang. Well, look, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, check out the website, littlejohnfs.com. Listen to the podcast. And we will catch you next time. Until then, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Kelsey Davis. And it's been True Well on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Finance. Opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.